Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a declaration of innocence as we pick up in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now in the 21st chapter, if you find a dead body out in the field and and you don't know the circumstances of the death, here's a man who's dead in the field, then they are to measure from that dead body to the closest cities, and you're to bring the elders of the city out. And they are to sacrifice a bullock, and they are to each one swear that they don't know how this person died. And thus the cities would be cleared uh, from this person who had been slain and whose body left there in the field. And so it was sort of a inquest kind of a thing for the dead and uh, in order that there might be sort of the, the innocency from the the declaration of the innocency from the guilt. Now, if you go to war against your enemies and you happen to see a beautiful woman among the captives and you want her for your wife, you may take her for your wife, but first of all, she has to shave her head and to pare her nails. And then for 30 days, She is to put off her robes of captivity, and after 30 days, you may take her as your wife. But when you've taken her for your wife, then you find out you don't like her, then you can't sell her. Now, in those days, of course, you know, they had slaves and they sold people, and and the captives were usually sold as slaves. But the fact that you've taken her for your wife You can put her away. You don't have to stay with her, but you can't sell her as a slave. You can't make merchandise or money off of her. Now, if a man has two wives and he loves one and hates the other, if the one that he hates has his firstborn son and the one he loves has a secondborn son, you can't reverse the inheritance. You can't give the second son who was from the wife that you love, the, the first inheritance. You can't reverse the inheritances on these sons. It doesn't matter if you didn't care for her so much. You've got to give the firstborn son the first inheritance. Now, of course, in those days, stubborn and rebellious kids got into real trouble because um, if, if you've had a child is stubborn and rebellious, you've spanked him, done everything you can to correct him, he doesn't behave, then you bring him before the elders and say, I have a stubborn, rebellious kid here, I've done everything I can to correct him, he's incorrigible, I can't handle him, then they would stone him to death. So you, you would say, my son is stubborn, he's rebellious, he'll not obey, he's a glutton, he's a drunkard. So the penalty was being stoned. Now, if a man has committed a sin worthy of death, and he be to be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. 
For he that is hanged on a tree is accursed of God, that the land be not defiled, which the Lord God gives you for an inheritance. Now, this, of course, becomes interesting to us. Any man who was hung on a tree was cursed of God. Paul tells us that Christ became a curse for us because it is written, cursed is he who hangs upon a tree. Paul was referring to this particular verse here in Deuteronomy. But showing that Christ became the curse for us in that he took our sins upon himself when he was hung there upon the tree, he took the curse of God. He bore the curse of God against sin. When Adam sinned, Adam's sin brought the curse of God upon man, upon woman, and upon the earth itself. God said to Adam that he would be cursed, that the earth would no longer just bring forth for him, but actually with the sweat of his brow would he earn his bread. And the earth would bring forth thorns and briars and thistles. And harvesting your crops not going to be easy. You're going to have to do it now with the sweat of your brow. Up until then, the earth was just producing. Man, you just go out and get whatever you want. And just enjoy it. But now the curse brought the thorns, the briars, the, bris the, the thistles, and it brought the hard labor for men to eke out a living from the ground. To the woman... The curse in childbearing, the labor pains and all. To the ground, the curse of bringing forth the thorns and the thistles. And thus there was sort of a threefold curse upon man, upon the woman, upon the earth itself. And of course the fourth, upon the serpent. It shall go in the dust of the earth on its belly and so forth. Now, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs upon the tree. So you see, the law actually cursed me. Man, if I was living under this thing, I'd be stoned to death. The law condemned me to die. But Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law because he became a curse for me. He bore the curse for me because it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs upon the tree by his being crucified upon the cross. There he bore God's curse. Actually, it is interesting that when the Roman soldiers made a crown for him, what kind of a crown did they make? A crown of thorns. And where did the thorns come from? They came from the curse. So the crown that he bore upon his brow was really the sign of the curse of God against the earth because of sin. Really, the crown of thorns was a very fitting crown because he came to bear God's curse against your sin. And then hanged upon the tree redeeming you from the curse of the law. Now in chapter 22, in those days, they punished people for non-involvement. 
If you saw your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and you just sort of try to ignore it, you don't go out and get it and so forth, then you're at fault. You shall in any case bring them again to your brother. And if your brother is not near to you and you know him not, then thou shalt bring him into your own house and you shall keep them until your brother seeks after them and thou shalt restore them again. In like manner shalt thou do with his ass and so with his raiment and all that is lost of thy brothers, which he has lost and thou hast found, you're to do likewise. You may not hide it for yourself. In other words, if you find something that is lost, you're to seek to restore it to its proper ownership. You're not to try to hide it for yourself. Now, if you see your brother's ass or ox fall down by the way, and you hide yourself from them, and not turn to help and to lift them again, then you're at fault. Then a woman is not to wear man's apparel, nor is a man to put on a woman's garment. For to do that is an abomination unto the Lord. Now, they say, oh, but what about a woman wearing, you know, a pantsuit or something? Well, let me tell you something. I never wear one of those pantsuits that the women wear. <laughs> I don't consider that men's apparel at all. But the whole idea behind it is that you are affecting to be one of the opposite sex or seeking to be one of the opposite sex. And, and that's what is actually being, you know, what he's coming down on here. Women who are trying to be men and men who are trying to be women. Now it is interesting, if you see a bird's nest and the bird is sitting on its eggs or, or whatever, you're not to really disturb it. If there are little young birds, if you want to take the little young birds, you're not to take the mother too. But you're not to disturb a mother bird sitting on its nest unless the birds are big enough to make it on their own. You want those little birds, that's fine, but you can't take the mother with them. Got to leave her go free. When you build a new house and you're putting on the roof, you've got to put supports around so no one falls off the roof and, and gets hurt while they're working on your house. If you're sowing the vineyards, you're not to sow with diverse seeds. You're not to plow with an ox and an ass together. You're not to wear a garment with different sorts of materials, woolen, linen together. You are to make these blue fringes on the quarters of your garments. And now the law of marriage if any man takes a wife and goes in unto her and hates her and gives occasion of speech against her, brings an evil name upon her and says, I took this woman as my wife, but she wasn't a virgin. And you make these kind of accusations against her. Then her parents are to bring forth her tokens of virginity. Now, in those days when you had your marriage ceremony and you went in for the nuptial rites, actually, you would take a cloth and hand it back out to your parents, proving that you were a virgin. And they would save that. And then if 
the guy you married turned out to be a dirty dog, and he says, oh, she wasn't a virgin when I married her, and that kind of stuff. Started spreading evil stories. Your parents would bring out the tokens of your virginity, lay them out before the elders, and you'd be found to be a dirty dog liar. <laughs> and the fellow would have to pay your dad a hundred shekels of silver because he had brought an evil name upon a virgin in Israel. But if you couldn't prove your virginity, then you'd be in trouble. You'd be put to death. Pretty heavy duty. And then the adultery of a man be found lying with a woman married to a husband. They'll both of them be put to death. If a damsel that is a virgin is betrothed to a husband that is engaged and a man find her in the city and lies with her, then they're both to be put to death. That is, if he rapes her in the city, she's to be put to death because she should have screamed. But if she is raped out into the field, then only he is put to death because she perhaps screamed, but nobody could hear her. And thus you're to put the evil away. Now, if you raped a girl and she's a virgin and she's not betrothed by her parents to someone else, then you're to take her as your wife to pay her father 50 shekels of silver. In chapter 23, we find those that were restricted from coming into the temple. Eunuchs were forbidden in the temple. An Ammonite or a Moabite was forbidden to the 10th generation for their failure to help the children of Israel during their wilderness experiences and because they hired Balaam to curse them. And you're not to seek their peace or prosperity. However, an Edomite, being the descendants of Esau, and the Egyptians, because you were a stranger in their land, they may be brought into the congregation of the Lord in their third generation. Now, <laughs> there are certain rules of cleanliness and um, sanitation that are given to them here that are very practical. And I don't need to read them or rehearse them for you. And in verse 15, Thou shalt not deliver unto his master the servant, which is escaped from his master to you. Uh, there shall be no whores of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite among the sons of Israel. Thou, you're not to bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord for any vow that you want to make unto God, for these are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. You're not to lend upon usury to your brother, that is, of money or victuals or of anything that is lent upon usury. To a stranger you may lend with usury, but unto your brother you shall not lend with usury. That the Lord thy God may bless thee in all that you set your hand to do in the land wherever you go. And when you vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it, for the Lord will surely require it. And if you do not pay your vow, it will be a sin to you. That which you has gone out of your lips, you shall keep and perform it, the free will offering according as you have vowed to the Lord and you've promised with your mouth. 
Now when you come into your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat all of the grapes you want, but you're not to put any in a container to carry out of the vineyard. In other words, you go into a field, you're allowed to eat all the grapes that you can hold while you're in the field, but you can't carry them out of the field except in your stomach. And when you come into the standing corn of your neighbor, you may pluck the ears with thine hand, but thou shalt not move a sickle to your neighbors. In other words, what you can carry out with your hand, but you're not to take a sickle to his standing corn. Now if a man has taken a wife and married her, and it comes to pass that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it unto her hand and send her out of his house. So the law of divorce. Now, what does constitute an uncleanness? A man marries a woman and finds an uncleanness. There are some say, well, he discovers he's, she's not a virgin. No, that's not it. Because that has already been dealt with in the previous laws. If he says she's not a virgin and they can't prove her virginity, she's to be put to death. So it isn't that he marries her and, and, and then finds out he's not, the uncleanness is that she's not a virgin. That isn't what, and that's the, been the was the big argument in, among the Jews, what constituted uncleanness. And one school of the rabbis said, well, if she wasn't a virgin, but that could not be so because God has already dealt with that under other laws. So it left open what constituted uncleanness, and that is an open issue. Now, surely they became extremely liberal in their interpretation of it. And one school of the rabbis, they, they taught that if she doesn't fix your eggs to suit you for breakfast, that's an uncleanness, and you can give her a writing of divorcement. And of course, in those days, divorces were quite easy. All you do is write out, I divorce you, and you hand it to her, and she's had it. Now, Jesus was challenged on this very issue. And really, the challenge was, what constitutes uncleanness? They came to Jesus one day with a trap question, and it was a definite trap question. They said to Jesus, can a man put away his wife for any cause? Now here under the Mosaic law, if he finds an uncleanness in her, he can give her a bill of divorcement. Now they knew that Jesus was teaching a more strict code. So they came to him with this trick trap question. Can a man put away his wife for any cause? And Jesus said, if a man puts away his wife and marries another, except it be for fornication, he causes her to commit adultery, and whoso marries her commits adultery. Aha, he's fallen right into their trap. That's just what they were hoping he would answer. So they came right back at him, and they said, how is it then that Moses said, let him give her a writing of a bill of divorcement? They figured they'd trapped him. We've got you now. Because it is acknowledged that God gave the law to Moses. No challenge, no question about that. It was the, a, a well-established fact that the law came 
by God to Moses. So Jesus is actually now in conflict with what God declared. For God said unto Moses, Let him give her a writing of a bill of divorcement. And the law of divorce was established by God through Moses, and it's there within their law. And for Jesus to come down in such a strict way puts him now at variance against God exactly what they were hoping to do. But Jesus went on to say, In the beginning it was not so. Now the law was added later on. The law came many years later. In the beginning, God now goes back to Adam and Eve. God, Jesus now goes back to God's perfect initial plan for family relationships. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Deuteronomy on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Deuteronomy 21 through 24 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord keep his hand upon your life and may he open up your heart and your mind and your understanding to the things of the Spirit. May he cause you to realize that his righteous principles will always prevail and thus may you live in that place where God can bless you as he desires to bless you. May you keep yourself in the love of God as you walk in fellowship with him this week. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. It is my great pleasure to present Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles is an open-ended book. Jesus continues even to the present day to work in the lives of people throughout the world through those who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. This book also includes a special foreword written by Pastor John Corson. We studied the book of Acts, but we never saw the book of Acts, but we were seeing the moving of the Holy Spirit. 
Calvary Chapel family. May you always be known as a people who pray in Jesus' name, that it would be Jesus Christ, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. May the Jesus movement continue on. To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, The Acts Commentary, please call the word for today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online to read a sneak preview of the book by visiting thewordfortoday.org.